All right, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for being patient with my long absence in between episodes. Um, Took a little break after the NFL season here, and also we got busy down the stretch with with the Super Bowl, of course. But anyways, I'm back now, so thanks for being patient and waiting for the between the long break. And I know what you're probably thinking, Carter, did you take such a long break in between podcast episodes? because you were trying to avoid discussing the Packers' loss to the eventual Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know that's probably what you're thinking. Here's my answer for you. I'll tell you this much, at least. It was certainly one of the toughest losses in my life as a Packer fan, my my 15-ish years as a fan now. This one in in the 2014 NFC Championship game, which we do not discuss anymore, are probably the two toughest losses in my time as a Packers fan. Mostly because both of those games should have been games that the Packers could have won, right? As they were the better teams in both scenarios and looking and knowing what happened in the Super Bowl, they could have won both times following those championship games. So as a top two worst game for me as a Packers fan, I did not enjoy the thought of discussing it here on the podcast. But that's not the not the main reason why I, I had such a long break in between podcast episodes. But we'll touch on it here as we wrap up the 2020 NFL season and get ready to discuss the next season as many things have already happened pertaining to the next season, i.e. quarterback trades. Are there more to come as well as long as, as, as well as a few uh, free agency moves already before actual free agency starts on March 17th? So we'll, we'll get to all that. Not today. We'll catch up on that next episode. Today we'll, we'll talk about the, the stuff that I missed in that long break, including the Packers' loss and including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning Super Bowl 55. We'll also catch up with the NBA as we approach All-Star Weekend and some surprise teams that lead in the standings at this point. Um, What the All-Star teams look like, remember they're doing that fun uh, new format of drafting All-Stars. This year it was LeBron James once again drafting from the West, and then Kevin Durant now in the East. He was the lead vote-getter in the East, so he was drafting on that side. So we'll, we'll take a look at those teams as well when it comes to the NBA. We're also in the month of March now, and you know what that means. March Madness, baby. It's here. We were deprived last year of, of March Madness in terms of we didn't get the, the tournament. So hopefully we get all of that this year, and it's already started. It amazes me, actually, how college basketball, to me, magically seems to get so much better in March. Either that or maybe we're just paying more attention now. Who knows? Either way. We'll take a look at some of the favorites, who some of the favorites might be for the tournament we hopefully get, and, and hopefully some of the surprise teams that may miss out on, on the tournament this year. I'm talking major programs that might not make the NCAA tournament this year, so we'll, we'll get into that as well. Also, MLB opening day, less than a month away, spring training in full swing now as well, so lots of great stuff to discuss on this episode, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being patient with me as well, and I'll go ahead and get started here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning Super Bowl 55. We all know this already. Tom Brady yet again winning another Super Bowl. Just unbelievable. Let's go through how they got to this point, Tampa Bay's journey, defeating Green Bay in the NFC Conference championship game, and then steamrolling Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll first stop since the last episode. We, we didn't get to this, of course, is the NFC championship game where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they beat the Packers 31-26. Even with Tom Brady throwing three interceptions, the Bucs were able to move on. The big thing in this game, Packers couldn't take advantage of turnovers, 
while the Buccaneers could. Aaron Rodgers with an interception, Buccaneers able to score a touchdown off that. Aaron Jones with a fumble in Tampa Bay territory, Tampa able to score another touchdown off of that as well. The Buccaneers' defense was also able to disrupt Rodgers a little bit. But the, the main thing for me in this game is the Packers, even we, we knew they already lost David Bakhtiari to, to an ACL injury. But even with him gone and, and the Buccaneers getting pressure on Rodgers, they, were still, they still should have been able to win this game. The Packers, to me, in my opinion, kind of, they kind of blew it on the offensive side even. I mean, when the defense, which people have criticized for year after year, and, and we saw in the offseason they let go of Mike Pettin. They hired a new defensive coordinator in Joe Barry now this year. They also let go of their special teams coordinator and hired a new guy for that as well. But the defense that has been criticized year after year was the one that was coming up with turnovers in the second half for Aaron Rodgers in the offense. Two Jair Alexander interceptions and Adrian Amos interception, three of them on Tom Brady, and the Packers come away with minimal points off of those three interceptions. And off of two of them, they go three and out. And you can't have that when your defense is giving you opportunities against Tom Brady like that. And that's where the Packers, in my opinion, lost it when when they got away from the run game. I mean, just looking at a recap of this game, Aaron Jones only had six carries. Jamal Williams had seven carries. I mean, they had a total of 67 rushing yards. They should have been handing the ball off a few more times to to either one of the, any three of these guys. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, someone just to run the ball. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers is throwing 48 times, yes, he's doing great. He's got 340-plus yards, three touchdowns, but he's also getting sacked. Remember, David Bakhtiari was injured. He tore his ACL, I believe, the week before. I mean, I'm not saying that if David Bakhtiari is in this game, the Packers win. That's certainly not the case. The Packers could have won even with David Bakhtiari being injured. But when this Buccaneers defense is getting the pressure that they have been all season, we saw what they did to the Packers with David Bakhtiari in week in the Week 5 matchup. Running the ball could have been effective for the Packers, and they just it looked like Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were trying to play hero ball with it where you intercept Tom Brady, and all of a sudden now you just want to get the momentum and just score a dagger touchdown, right? And they weren't able to do that off of two of them in the second half there, and it kind of cost them in the end. So, I mean, Tom Brady then gets to go to his, what was that, his 10th Super Bowl at that point. And, of course, it's Tom Brady that gets to host the first home Super Bowl game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Super Bowl was in Tampa Bay. Another just stat for Tom Brady that nobody else gets to have, which I find uh, incredible as well. So, But then the Chiefs, in the AFC Championship game, they roll past the Bills. Not really a close one in this one. Um, Buffalo jumped out to a quick 9-0 start, but then after that, Chiefs just kind of started rolling from there and won that one 38-24. And then that takes us to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, can't ask for much better, to be honest. I mean, you could, I mean, at that point, everybody thought that Mahomes and the Chiefs were going to get past the Bills. But, I mean, Mahomes versus Rodgers or Mahomes versus Brady, it was going to be a great quarterback matchup either way uh, you slice it from <laughs> from that stance so instead we got Mahomes versus Brady and Mahomes can't overcome a lot of the obstacles in his way and it's not enough to top Tom Brady I mean the Chiefs offensive line were missing key starters I believe is it their right tackle Mitchell Schwartz he I believe tore his ACL as well or had a major injury 
he couldn't play in the Super Bowl. They had receivers dropping balls left and right. Brady was able to pick apart their defense. But, I mean, the real MVP of this game was the Buccaneers' defense, again, along with Todd Bowles. I mean, the pressure that they were able to get on Patrick Mahomes, he was scrambling. If you saw some of these throws that he was able to make, it was incredible. Um, I mean, some of them, there was one where it's a, where it's one of those things, you do this when you were young. I did this when I was younger with uh, when you're in your living room, you dive, <laughs> you're, you're, you throw it mid-dive, and, and you land on the couch. Here's Patrick Mahomes doing this in the Super Bowl getting tackled from behind, diving, and still launching a 30-yard laser, and it gets dropped in the end zone, right? But, I mean, the the the, the Buccaneers' defense was all over Mahomes and, the, and this Chiefs' offense. They didn't even let him score a touchdown, which is incredible. Nobody, I mean, under 10 points, first of all, but not even a touchdown for this Chiefs' offense is, is quite a, a statement by this Buccaneers' defense. They win this one. They won, of course, 31-9. to Tom Brady with another Super Bowl MVP. And I mean, this it all comes back to how impressive this season was for Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers, of course. But it, it all, of course, will come back to Tom Brady. And for me, I if you remember, I was counting the Buccaneers out. I think I had them losing to Washington in the first round when uh, because I thought that maybe Washington's defense could disrupt Tom Brady. And I wasn't sure. I mean, Tom Brady with no offseason with this team. And that's what's impressive to me, really, for this season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is what Tom Brady was able to do. No offseason. He comes in. He doesn't have any. He, he might have a little bit of chemistry come regular season with these Buccaneers wide receivers. They bring in Rob Gronkowski off the streets, who is retired. And here he scores two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Antonio Brown bouncing around from, from team to team now being suspended a few games here and there. He comes in to go along with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl as well. But the, the glue to all of that, of course, was, was Tom Brady. He's with a new head coach. He's with a new offensive coordinator and Brian Leftwich as well. And in one season, they're able to go to the Super Bowl in their home stadium in, in Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl in his first year. I'm not the I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but I mean I'm not a a hater of Tom Brady either. It's just you got to respect what Tom Brady has been able to do in his career at this point. I mean, like I said, coming to a new team in a pandemic year, so no regular offseason, no OTAs, no mini camp, no training camp really. Well, there of course there was some training camp, but not a normal training camp, right? No preseason games to get game reps with these wide receivers, with the offensive line, with the play calling and all that. None of that for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And here they go 11-5 and five in the regular season. We're counting them out possibly as an upset in the wild card round to the Washington football team. Then they go to New Orleans. They beat Drew Brees. Drew Brees possibly going to retire now. So they beat Drew Brees on the road in the Superdome, a, a tough place to play nonetheless, to the Saints, who they lost to twice this year, in both a pretty pretty blowout fashion, especially in that first game in Week One. Then they go to Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers looking like the best team in football. The defense is able to disrupt Rodgers. They're able to overcome three Tom Brady interceptions in Lambeau as well. Lambeau has some fans. Then they come back home, facing what everybody assumes is as the best team in the Kansas City Chiefs. And they don't let him score a touchdown. Tom Brady throws three touchdowns himself. 
it's just it's that impressive in that in a pandemic year he was able to do all that as a 43 year old quarterback nonetheless let's not forget that as well um man you just even if you even if you are a tom brady hater i'm not a hater i definitely don't like him as a <laughs> for sure i'm not a fan of his but you got to respect what tom brady is able to do year in and year out it's it's amazing but i'll tell you what as I say I'm not a, a Tom Brady fan. I'm not a hater, but I'm not a Tom Brady fan. If you didn't watch, if you didn't see any of the, the stuff going on at the Super Bowl parade, oh my goodness, that is some of the, the greatest stuff that will ever, <laughs> that has ever happened that I've seen from, from Tom Brady, no question, but from a parade like that where you have, you're celebrating a Super Bowl and Tom Brady is drunk and they're doing this on boats nonetheless, which is, first of all, that is super cool, having a parade on boats it's good to to keep them away from fans that way but i mean tom brady throwing the lombardi trophy from one boat to the next boat cameron Brake catching it tom brady being helped off the boats at the end of the day because he's so drunk he's stumbling all over the place i mean that is some of the greatest television that i've seen and and honestly it made me like tom brady a little bit more and i'm like damn it you just can't help it with this guy i mean you got to respect what he does on the field and then he does stuff like this off the field He's great on social media as well, making it even funnier with some of the stuff that he posts, especially with uh, with some of the responses to the videos of him, one, tossing the Lombardi Trophy, two, stumbling and being held up by, I think, was it uh, the backup quarterback so he wasn't falling? Oh, my goodness. It's it, you, you hate to, I hate it when he does something like that because it makes you like him a little bit more, and, and you don't want to do that. I mean, he's got seven Super Bowls, damn it. Like, come on. And that's the thing, too. When 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 Tom Brady does something like that, seven Super Bowls, it starts to uh, kind of skew how everybody looks at all these other quarterbacks. I mean, goodness! I mean, what Tom Brady had three Super Bowls in his first maybe five years or something like that, and now he's got another four Super Bowls in his last seven years or something like that. I, it's just unbelievable how many, he's got two Super Bowls past forty years old. Ugh. That's why that's why I hate him. You just hate to see him keep winning when you want other guys to win. Of course, I want Aaron Rodgers to win. You maybe Drew Brees to win or something like that. But you gotta respect year in and year out. Tom Brady will be in the discussion or in the in position to win another Super Bowl. But wow. So yeah, that's that's that kind of wraps up the 2020 NFL season. Let's take a let's also take a moment here to realize how impressive it was that they completed this entire season in this in this year. I mean, they had a few disruptions, a few games moved here and there, but overall, great every Sunday to watch football. I mean, we had football on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this entire year. So that was fun as well, but just an incredible job getting through the entire season of of the 2020 NFL season and the way that they did it. Hopefully, we get back to a more normal 2021 NFL season as everybody is starting to get the COVID vaccine. We have three out now, which is great. Everybody, the the cases are going down. The deaths are going down, which is all great to see. So we're happy about that. But on the next episode, we'll discuss more of this intriguing offseason. That's already given us a few huge moments, including, like I said before, the QB trades that have gone on. J.J. Watt deciding which team that he's going to play for next season after being released by the Texans. The salary cap after a pandemic season. So, I mean, we're seeing teams struggle to decide which p- players to play, pay, excuse me, and which players that they're going to have to cut, which 
then how are they going to sign to other teams? What's some of these great players are going to be signing on really small contracts. So we'll see, but that kind of wraps up the 2020 NFL season. Tom Brady, of course, holding another Super Bowl trophy. All right, let's go ahead and move on now to the NBA All-Star break approaching. It's actually coming up this Sunday is our All-Star game. Let's take a look at the standings, which teams are kind of surprising through this season, both in a good way and and, in other teams going in the wrong direction kind of at this point. So, So great first half teams right now through the first half of the season, the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. Those are the first and second place teams in the West right now. That's over teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Denver Nuggets. Those are teams that everybody thought would be near the top. But instead, right now, you got the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, with that Chris Paul acquisition in the this offseason, has really paid off. I believe they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. The Phoenix Suns are hot right now. They got Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the All-Star game. Phoenix Suns are, are, are going to be a dangerous team. I think they're going to be more than just get into the playoffs, lose in the first round. They could possibly make it to the second round. They're going to be a tough out for anyone. They, I mean, they're they're second in the West right now. They're, of course, looking to be championship contenders right now. So Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, really impressive in the first half of the season. The New York Knicks, believe it or not, are fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're in the playoffs right now. They're over 500. New York is actually going crazy about it. New York Knicks fans did not expect, I don't think anybody expected the Knicks to be in this spot right now. They have new head coach Tom Thibodeau leading the way. Julius Randle, a former Los Angeles Laker, is an all-star this year. They've got some pieces around him. I mean, Derrick Rose, R.J. Barrett, guys like that all stepping up. And the Knicks are in fifth in the East right now. It's really impressive. The Charlotte Hornets also in the playoff mix right now, seventh in the Eastern Conference standings. I mean, LaMelo Ball is looking like the runaway rookie of the year right now. But Charlotte, nobody, I didn't, I mean, they just picked third this last offseason. They acquired Gordon Hayward in the offseason as well. The Charlotte Hornets are impressing me in this first half of the season as well. But but remember, this is this is what's also exciting about this new season is there's a new playoff format, right? So the seven seed through the 10 seed in both conferences those four teams, 7, 8, 9, 10, they'll play in a tournament at the end of the season to determine the last two seeds, the 7 and 8 spot, because eight teams, of course, make it for each conference. So the 7 through 10 seeds will play in a play-in tournament. So that's that's kind of exciting. Even if you're not in the playoffs right off the bat, you have a chance to get in. We saw this last year in the NBA bubble. So, I mean, Charlotte Hornets right now, 7th in the East. Right now they would be in that play-in tournament which is, I mean, I can't wait to see that, how that plays out at the end of the season. We'll see, but that's that's kind of exciting too is you'll get some of these teams that don't that might be that 10th seed that's always hovering around to the end of the playoffs. We'll see if they can get a chance to make it in some of these years. But let's take a look at some of the disappointing or struggling teams at this point, um, halfway through the season as we reach the All-Star break. Remember, I think it's a 72-game season this year instead of 82 games, so we're almost halfway through, of course, with uh, the season starting a little bit later because last season ended so late all the way in, what did it end in, September or October with the Lakers winning? But either way, here's some of the, in my opinion, the disappointing teams from that from this first half of the season. The New Orleans Pelicans, they're 11th in the West right now. Zion Williamson 
is an all-star this year. Brandon Ingram, an all-star last year. Lonzo Ball, and they've got Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart, guys like this. But right now they're 11th in the West. This was a team that everybody thought, all right, Zion Williamson's going to start playing a lot more. They're not going to have him on those rookie minutes. They're not going to be as cautious with him as they were. I mean, they can still be cautious with some of the injuries he was coming off of last year. But everybody thought after the season they had last year where I think what they were, what were they, maybe the 10th seed or something like that. And and they were right on the right on the cusp of making the, the playoffs. I believe they were in the NBA bubble as well. But, I mean, a lot of people thought that with an improvement year from Zion Williamson, which we've seen, that this team would be competing for one of those 6th, 7th, 8th seeds in, in the playoffs this year. And right now they're 11th. They're like three games behind 10th, which, like I just mentioned, you need to be in 10th, 9th, 8th, or 7th to be in that play-in tournament. And they're a couple of games behind being in that spot right now. Now, of course, there's a lot of time left in the season. But, I mean, at this point, it's a little bit disappointing to see, especially with the way Zion Williamson's been playing, new head coach Stan Van Gundy, and right now they're 11th in the West. So the, the Pelicans are kind of disappointed at the beginning of this season. The Dallas Mavericks, they're 8th in the West right now. This was a team that a lot of people thought could maybe jump into that upper echelon of the, the Western Conference contenders after what we saw from them last season in the postseason as well, taking the Los Angeles Clippers to six games in the in the first round. Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis now being back and healthy for, for most of the games, you would think. But the Dallas Mavericks are the ace seed in the West right now, so they're they would have to be in that play in tournament. You don't if you're one of the better teams, you don't want to be in that play in tournament. You'd like to get into that sixth seed. And that's where you would think the Dallas Mavericks would be in the sixth spot or higher, possibly. But right now here they are at uh at that tenth or in that ace seed. They got teams like the Spurs and, and the Trailblazers ahead of them. And right now you got Golden State without Clay Thompson in that ninth seed, and they're gonna be a dangerous I mean, Golden State with Steph Curry. Steph Curry can go off for 50 points in any game. You wouldn't want to be in that position. So the Mavericks right now, another one of those teams. And then uh, the Los Angeles Lakers right now third in the West. Anthony Davis out, which is equaling a lot of struggles with this Los Angeles Laker team. I believe they're what? Are they 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games? Something like that with, with Anthony Davis being out. Yeah, 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. LeBron James has had to carry a lot of the load, but he's also been without his third best player in Dennis Schroeder. So, I mean, three and seven in the last 10 games, still third in the Western Conference, but it, they've been trending in the wrong direction, direction heading towards this all-star break. So this all-star break comes at a good time for the Lakers. They're hoping to get Anthony Davis back after the all-star break, but this was a team that you would expect to be the number one seed right now. But after this stretch of 10, 15 games without Anthony Davis, 3-7 and seven in the last 10, they're kind of going in the wrong direction. But they'll be able to turn it around. I'm not too worried about, about the Lakers there. Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers are the two other teams, two playoff teams from a season ago. Both right now, 8th and 10th in the East, would be in that play-in tournament. And the Toronto Raptors, we're not really sure how, uh, how well this team is going to be this year. I mean, there's speculation that Kyle Lowry could be on the move. There's teams definitely interested in adding a, a player like Kyle Lowry to their roster. And we'll see if, if that's something where they become in full sell mode, where they they trade a guy, maybe the most important piece to the 
Toronto Raptors franchise in their history. Well, maybe not, but in in their recent history, most definitely, Kyle Lowry, are they willing to give up a guy like that? And kind of that would most certainly take them out of contention for the, the playoff race, I would think. So that's where we stand right now. I mean, we got the Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers. Then I believe we got the Los Angeles Clippers in the fourth seed, Portland Trailblazers, Denver Nuggets, San Antonio Spurs, and Dallas Mavericks as your top eight seeds in the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, Philadelphia 76ers. Actually, they've been another impressive team that I forgot to mention. Joel Embiid looking like the MVP frontrunner halfway through the season. But, I mean, Philadelphia tops the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn Nets, this is, I don't know how I missed this one too, but they're on a they're nine and one in their last 10 games and they've been doing this without Kevin Durant we've talked about when they acquired James Harden I gave my speculation or my uh concerns that that the Brooklyn Nets would have with James Harden Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant right now it's just been James Harden and Kyrie Irving and those two have been working really well together James Harden has vaulted into the top five possibly for the MVP consideration and in in discussion most most definitely but nine and one in their last 10 games they're doing this without Kevin Durant and they're second in the Eastern Conference right now the question is when Kevin Durant comes back will he disrupt some of this chemistry that has been going on with James Harden and Kyrie Irving or how is that all going to mesh together they haven't played a lot of games together Kevin Durant won't be playing in the all-star game this year he's still out possibly a couple of of games post all-star break as well but hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later so you can start to see what this team will look like come playoff time when it's going to be Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. I gave my my uh, concerns and, and speculation, not speculation, suspicion, that's the word I was looking for. I gave my suspicion to how it could all work out for them come playoff time, but we'll see when it comes down to it. So we got the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets rolling at the top of the Eastern Conference. You got the Bucks at the third seed. You got the Celtics as their top four then to round out the four. Then you got the Knicks, you got the Heat, you got the Hornets, and you got the Raptors as your other top eight teams in the Eastern Conference. So that's where we stand halfway through this NBA season as we approach the All-Star break. Speaking of the, oh, here we go. No, yeah, speaking of the All-Star break, the All-Star rosters were drafted just this past Thursday with Team LeBron and team Kevin Durant drafting all-star players. Um, let's take a look at, at how that all panned out. You got LeBron with the first pick. He took Giannis, and he's also got on his starting five. It'll be LeBron, Giannis, Steph Curry, Luka, and Nikola Jokic. Excuse me. So that's team LeBron's starting five. Team Durant. Durant won't be playing, so he got two extra starter, or I mean, he had the extra starter, which ended up being Jason Tatum. But for Team Durant, it'll be Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, and Jason Tatum. That's the starting five for Team Durant. I gotta say, in my opinion, I like the Team LeBron starting five. Giannis play, and the reason is Giannis plays this All Star game like it's like it's a playoff game. And it's game seven or something like that. The way that Giannis plays this All-Star game has got to piss off a lot of these other guys just the way that he does this. And also, you want guys like Giannis and LeBron that that turn it into a show, into a dunk contest. Giannis does that for sure. And other guys you want on this in this kind of game, Steph Curry, who can just bomb it from 40 feet out 
Steph Curry is great to have for this the three-point shootout that eventually comes to fruition as well with a game like this. So, I mean, LeBron's got, he's got two of the better, along with himself, of course, two of the better all-star game players that you would want in a game like this. Kevin Durant's got a few of the better reserves, in my opinion. He's got James Harden on his bench with Devin Booker and Zion Williamson as well. For Team LeBron, his best reserve player, I think, is Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, Steph Curry on the same team. That's going to be fun to watch uh, just 35-foot shots going up um, from both of those guys. But this will be fun come Sunday. It's unfortunate that Kevin Durant won't be able to play in this one. If that that That's... That's mainly what hurts Kevin Durant's team, in my opinion, is the fact that he won't be able to play for it. You know, I mean, Kevin Durant is a top two, three player in the world, and he won't be able to play for his own team. So that that kind of is a huge dent in his uh, in his team. But just watching the draft, too, with these guys, they do it on TNT with Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, and uh, Ernie Johnson. Jeez, it took me a second there. But the, the, those four guys are, of course, great if you ever watch inside the NBA after uh, NBA games on TNT. But um, it's just funny to watch in how much fun they have. LeBron's done this now for, I believe, the third straight year as drafting players like this and this time doing it with Durant. So a lot of fun to watch uh, those guys do that here. But in my opinion, I think Team LeBron is going to win this game with Giannis, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic. Then you've also got Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Paul George on your bench. That's that's a pretty good team the way that uh, LeBron drafted this one. Uh, Kevin Durant, if he was on his team, it would be a much closer one. But I also they, they also do the new version of this uh, all-star game at the end where it's no longer a time runs out, it's a target score. We saw that for the first time last year. That gave us a great ending until, of course, it ended on free throws. But that should... Uh, that should, of course, keep it close and keep it interesting for a game like this. All right. So in my opinion, I think Team LeBron is going to win this one. All right. Last thing I want to get to on on the NBA before we move on is some of these championship caliber teams were approaching the trade deadline for the NBA season. Here's some of the big names to keep an eye on. I'm not going to say where I think they're going to go, but here's some big names to keep an eye on that could be on the move in helping. You see it every year where championship caliber teams they like the Lakers, like the Nets, like the 76ers, Bucks, they make some moves around this time to acquire some some bigger name players that could pop, that are being sold off from these teams that aren't in playoff contention, aren't in championship contention, don't think they really have what it takes to to make a run at the championship this year. And they got to get rid of some of these high salary guys, guys that are going to be free agents in a year. So this is around the time when that happens. Here's some names to keep an eye on that could possibly be on the move this year. Blake Griffin, he's definitely going to be on the move this year from the Detroit Pistons because he was just bought out of his contract with the Pistons, so he's free to sign with any team that he wants. According to the the sources on, on which teams he's interested in, the Brooklyn Nets are atop of that list. Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers, um, I think the Philadelphia 7 just a, a bunch of teams in contention for the championship. A lot of the championship favorites are interested in signing Blake Griffin. So that's one that that's going to be a big domino to drop. Andre Drummond, the center for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers, one of those teams not in contention, not even in contention for the playoffs. Andre Drummond is definitely a big guy that can help out a championship team 
rebounding, defense in the paint, stuff like that. Someone's going to want to scoop him up and, and trade with the Cavaliers for him. Kyle Lowry, like I mentioned. I mean, the Raptors, I haven't heard, we haven't heard much on if the Raptors are selling or willing to trade a guy like Kyle Lowry, but there's been a lot of interest in bringing in a guy like Kyle Lowry to their team. The Los Angeles Clippers are, are one that come to mind there. P.J. Tucker, he's a forward for the Houston Rockets. Houston is struggling this season after, of course, they traded away James Harden. So P.J. Tucker is a guy that is, what is he, like 6'6", but he can guard centers and, and, and shoot threes from the corner. He's a great stretch forward that teams would love. And, and with Houston struggling the way they are, P.J. Tucker could be a guy on the move. Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vukovic, Vucevic. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess that name up a few times before I get it right. But two players here for the Orlando Magic. Orlando making the playoffs last year, but struggling this year as they aren't in the playoff play-in game right now, play-in tournament. Excuse me. At this point, Aaron Gordon is a guy that they've been looking to move for maybe the past year now. So you could see him possibly being on the move. Another stretch power forward, really athletic guy, Vucevic. There, that's that time I said it right. It's Vucevic right there. <laughs> An all-star this year playing for Team Durant. Um, he could possibly be on the move as well. He's one of those centers that can kind of do it all. He's great uh, in the post, can also stretch the floor as well. So he could possibly be on the move if, if Orlando is deciding to sell off and, and maybe start a rebuild. J.J. Redick has kind of fallen out of rotation with the New Orleans Pelicans. He's a sharpshooting three-point guy. Anybody, of course, championship teams would love that. He's been in the playoffs uh, multiple years. Actually, every season that he's been in the NBA, except last season, he's been in the playoffs. So he's got playoff experience. J.J. Redick is a guy that teams might target. And then two other guys, Al Horford and George Hill of the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are, of course, in the middle of their rebuild. They've just been acquiring pick after pick after pick. I talked about it when they traded away Chris Paul earlier this this offseason, how, uh, how many picks that the— Oklahoma City Thunder have is just incredible but those are some names to keep an eye on on teams might be targeting that could really help bolster their championship aspirations so keep an eye on those guys possibly moving when the trade deadline comes of course the first one is going to be Blake Griffin he's going to be on a new team because he's already been bought out by the Detroit Pistons all right let's go ahead then and move on NCAA basketball March Madness is here baby all right tournament time right around the corner Let's take a look at some of the top seeds that we'll possibly have this season, um, some of the, the number one seeds. And then we'll take a look at some teams that possibly might not make the tournament this year. I mean, right now we're already starting to get into, we're getting close to um, conference championship tournaments, Big Ten tournament, ACC tournament, stuff like that, where those automatic bids come into place. Teams locking up the regular season championships as in Michigan just won the Big Ten regular season championship but right now what it's looking like the one seeds Gonzaga looking like the number one overall seed this year they have I don't think they've lost a game yet this year Uh, Michigan another one of those teams that could be a one seed Illinois out of the Big Ten the Big Ten is really strong this year from top to bottom they could possibly have eight nine teams in the tournament which is unprecedented Baylor is another one of those number one seeds possibly in this year's tournament. And then, actually, those are the four right there. Gonzaga, Illinois, Michigan, and Baylor are probably your top four seeds. The other ones that are going to be close is Houston is is close. 
Um, Ohio State is is actually probably a, a one or two seed. And then Iowa. So look at that. I mean, the Big Ten right there has two number one seeds and possibly two number two seeds, just the way I'm looking at uh, bracket predictions right now. But those are, are your top teams heading into March at this point. And, and some of the teams that are looking like they could be the one or two seeds come down to it. But what's really interesting to me is some of the teams on the bubble. You like to look at the teams that are fighting for that last chance to get in. Of course, they have their tournament games. So like the ACC tournament or the, the Big Ten tournament. If Wisconsin wins the Big Ten tournament, they would be automatically in the NCAA tournament. Even if they were the worst team in all of college basketball, but they won that Big Ten tournament, that would put them automatically in. Now that would be very highly unlikely, but that's that's what these that's what these tournaments do is they give a chance to the lower the, the lower teams that struggled through the regular season a chance to still make the tournament. Doesn't happen that often, but it could. But anyways, here are the teams that are on the bubble. I mean, take a look at these are the last eight teams in according to is this Joe Lenardi's. Uh, bracketology yeah this is joe lenardi's bracketology according to him here's the last eight teams that are in louisville is on the bubble Rutgers, another one of those big 10 teams michigan state there's two of the i believe eight or nine big 10 teams that could get in right now georgia tech vcu drake xavier and boise state so if you if you see on tv those eight teams playing you could tune in those are the teams that need to win a couple more to try and stay in here are the first eight teams that don't make the tournament a couple of big names here duke duke right now is not in the tournament according to joe lenardi and that's just crazy for me to conceptualize the fact that duke is not in the ncaa tournament i mean ever since i've started watching and and filling out brackets and, and doing stuff with that duke has always been in the tournament whether it's a one seed the number one overall seed as a two seed a three seed i've never seen them lower than what maybe a maybe a four seed? I don't think I've ever seen Duke lower than that. Or no no no, I'm sorry. No, that's Kentucky. But anyways, I, I Duke right now is on the bubble and, and missing the tournament as according to Joe Lenardi at this point, which is incredible. They've struggled all season. They had the controversy through the middle of the season when they lost their top prospect, who decided to opt out for the rest of the season. Jalen Johnson, who decided that he's going to prepare for the NBA draft starting now at this point. He's no longer with Duke, their best player, their their top prospect coming out of high school. So he decided to opt out for the rest of the season, and, and Duke has struggled throughout the year. So maybe one of the ways that Duke has to get in is it doesn't matter what they do from here on out. Maybe they have to win the ACC tournament to get in and get one of those automatic bids, but we'll see. But other teams as well, Syracuse, another one. I mean, in the past couple of years, Syracuse has been the team that has been on this bubble a lot. But early on when I started watching, Syracuse was one of the powerhouse teams. But here you got Syracuse and Duke right now on the bubble, missing the NCAA tournament at this point. You got Seton Hall, Utah State, Memphis, Ole Miss. So teams like this are are looking to still get in to the tournament. They're looking for one of those top eight teams, like I mentioned before, Michigan State, another one of the teams that in my time as a, as a college basketball fan has always been in the tournament, always been a two seed, always been one of the teams to compete for the championship. They need a team like that to maybe stumble near the end here for them to sneak in and, and make it in. But right now, that's those are some of the top seeds. Those are some of the guys that are looking on the outside trying to get in as well. But Duke 
and Syracuse for me are it's it's amazing that I am seeing Duke on the bubble here on the outside looking in. My team, Wisconsin, gosh, they, they play in such a deep conference. The Big Ten, I mentioned it before. There are, I just mentioned, four teams at the top of this conference in Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State. There's also a few other great teams in this conference as well. But Wisconsin right now, ranked as a six seed. They've been struggling down the stretch. They've had a really brutal end to their schedule in the season. They've played Iowa right now. Um, Purdue is another one of those really strong teams that's that's probably here somewhere in this in this bracket as a four seed or a five seed but they've played Iowa Purdue they lost to Illinois without their best player um, so Wisconsin is, is going through a rough stretch yeah here they go Purdue as a four seed right there but let, but like I mentioned so they got Wisconsin as a six seed right now but clearly it looks like they're safely in the tournament and once it comes to the tournament who knows what can happen at that point I cannot wait to fill out an NCAA tournament bracket. We obviously all missed doing it last year. Also for me, I, I do, most people do more than one. I don't know how you can fill out one and be like, you know what, this, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. You got to always have a backup one. Me, I personally like to make like five. One of them where you, you pick like the favorites in most of them, maybe a couple upsets. One bracket where you pick a bunch of upsets and then and you see who the championship is, who the champion is. I always have one bracket where I have Wisconsin as the winner. Last year, if you remember, they did uh, projected winners, and they had Wisconsin winning it all. So we we took that and we made a plaque out of that one as as Wisconsin the twenty twenty or the twenty nineteen twenty twenty NCAA tournament uh, champions. What was that simulated simulated champions? That's that's what it was. But anyways, that's where we are. I can't wait to make uh make those again. The other thing too with brackets is they have some impact on my fantasy football league so i'm excited about that as well but that's where we stand right now for the ncaa we're in march we're starting to get to the important games teams on the bubble other teams looking to get in uh, and, and and teams trying to lock up seeds in, in number one seeds and and stuff like that and get in the right bracket so here we go march is here let's get it going with it i'm excited all right so now my final thought today on this episode of the final final podcast spring training baseball is in full swing no pun intended there i'm just kidding actually it was it was kind of intended there i'm not gonna lie but hopefully everything goes smoothly in terms of getting this mlb season started i mean last year of course we had it delayed until when was it delayed till like june or something like that and even when it got started or maybe even May, but even when it got started, man, baseball had a rough go of it with, with games being canceled here and there. But right now, it looks like everything is running smoothly. Of course, the country seems to be headed in a great direction with COVID, with every with people getting vaccinated. I mentioned the three vaccines that are out right now. Very exciting. Sports are starting to return fans into the stadiums. That's been in effect for a while with some NFL teams doing it at the end of the regular season the Super Bowl hosting a bunch of fans as well. So, I mean, baseball opening day, less than a month away. Very excited to see how that goes, especially with the Los Angeles Dodgers and, and the San Diego Padres. I mean, making big moves this offseason. That's going to be a fun division out in the NL West. You got teams in the American League, like the Chicago White Sox, the Houston Astros, of course. One thing that I'm excited to see is if the Los Angeles Angels, I mean, with Mike Trout, I've always wanted to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. They've got Anthony Rendon, 
They've got the pitching now of, oh my God, I hope I don't say this wrong, Shoni Otana, Otani. Boy, I bet you I said it wrong. But anyways, that <laughs> the, the the prospects of him both pitching and hitting and, and excelling at both of them is very exciting. I hope to see the Angels in the playoffs as well. But here we go, baseball starting to come around. Hopefully the Brewers, I mean, I believe they made the postseason last year. But now Kristen Yelich hopefully can return back to MVP form. The, the Brewers pitching in, in their bullpen is one of their strengths of this team. Very excited to see baseball return in full swing, especially, there I go again, especially with fans in the stands as well. I mean, as as good of a job or as as well as they could do with the circumstances they were given, cardboard cutouts start to get a little weird after a little bit. It's like, oh, look, yeah, the, there's this guy. They made a cardboard cutout of so-and-so and put him in the front row. Yeah, it gets a little bit it gets a little bit weird after about the the third inning, where you, where you see him constantly behind home plate like that. But so it'll be good to see fans in the stands come baseball season. All right, final final thought then on today's episode of the final final podcast. I'm actually going back home to Wisconsin for the next month here in March. Very excited to see family and friends that are comfortable seeing me when I get back of course, during this time. But that doesn't mean the podcast is going to stop for the month of March. I'll actually be doing a few episodes from home, which I'm excited about doing. I haven't done any of these from home yet. I've actually done all of these from the confines of my room here. But anyways, I'm excited to do this in Wisconsin. And who knows, I may even have some special guests just for fun on this podcast. I used to have friends come on my radio show back at WSUM a couple of times, which was always a blast. We'll see if any of them want to join me and, and have some fun on a podcast episode here. We'll see and, and, of course, be safe about it. But one in particular I've done a couple of times is discuss fantasy football with my brother because he goes all out with his preparation for this fantasy football stuff. It's fun to discuss um, that coming and in, leading into the next fantasy football season. But I've yet to see him stick to some of his analysis because he has not won in any of the leagues that we are in together. So, I mean... He sometimes lets his feelings for certain players, i.e. Aaron Jones, <laughs> get in his way. But hey, I mean, who am I to talk? I mean, I did lose my most important fantasy league and have an embarrassing punishment coming my way in the next month or so. I'll let you know in the coming episodes what that is. But hey, I, I still enjoy doing um, one of those episodes with him whenever I get the chance. So we'll see if, if that comes to fruition when I come back or when I return back to Wisconsin but I will be continuing the podcast in Wisconsin as well, hopefully doing a couple of episodes once per week when I get there. But all right, that's all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Again, I thank you for your patience in, in sticking with me from that long break that I took in between episodes. So, so thanks for tuning in and listening to this one as well. But stay safe out there, everybody. The vaccine is starting to roll out, so hopefully everybody is lining up to get that as soon as you get your opportunity. Thanks for tuning in once again. Stay safe, everybody. And that is the final final.